welcome to episode 121 of the local meta my name is fletcher and i'm john john how's it going good i was really curious if you were gonna say the right number oh yeah <laughs> i was worried about that but... <laughs> <laughs> so go me i guess i don't know yeah. uh, so how's it going since we last talked six seconds good. ago good um word of advice to everyone don't watch the movie nightmare shark it's terrible <laughs> like oh uh, my god is it terrible i you're, i'm a, you're telling I, me about this i'm a fan of sci-fi original movies i am not a fan of nightmare shark <laughs> it was really that bad huh it was atrocious although it did have the old jaffa guy from stargate su1 in it sure he was the quotations big baddie. Okay. But that's, he was like the only actor that I recognized. And yeah. I mean, if you recognize an actor in those, you're doing good. Yes, for sci-fi originals, yeah. Like, this is where, like, people go to be actors and realize they don't have the chops for it, so. Yeah, pretty much, like. <laughs> I feel like I'm being a little bit mean to these people. They they probably did their best they could. I mean, maybe they did, you know, whatever. Little... But it's like some some people just aren't cut out for stuff, and that's fine. Some people are just really good at being in sci-fi original movies. Yeah, that's this is true. But... <laughs> Nightmare uh, Shark. Yeah, that's... Uh, I would say I'd watch it, but I'm not going to, because you said it was so terrible. I'm probably going to have, like, nightmares about how bad the movie was and not about what was actually the movie it was about the nightmare shark <laughs> yeah i will borrow it to you just so you I, can watch the horribleness it will sit on my shelf just like all the other movies that you borrow me that i never get around to watching that's true you still have some of mine don't you i have a couple things of yours i think you watched x mox another right i did and got that back to you yeah that was the important one i remember that yep. was the important one i wanted you to watch yeah. And I remember you wanted to re-borrow Cowboy Bebop to watch. And, I'm and you're like, like no. <laughs> I'm like, you can borrow it, but only after you finish watching all the other shit I've given you. And I'm like, that is a 100% fair. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's an actual somewhat motivator because you actually like Cowboy Bebop. I actually do. I hate anime and want to borrow that because that one is so dang good. It is so good. But... Which, the funny enough, I'm pretty sure the only other thing I have borrowed from you is anime. Uh-huh. Which, <laughs> which feels bad and absurd, but... Yeah, you know. Whatever. It's fine. Oh, okay. All right. So, should we hop back into what we were talking about last week? Yeah, I don't even remember where, what set we're on now. But... Oh, we, so, um, we had just finished up talking about the story stuff from Rivals of Ixalan. Ah, yes. And we're on, we're on to Dominaria now. This was so, a good set. This set was phenomenal. I am I loved this set. Like good draft format, good oh, story, yeah. only story. one ridiculously overpowered card. What one? Teveri. Oh yeah, that guy. Three mana planeswalkers are powerful. Yep, they're okay. You know. But yeah, like this this set was really good. The story I quite enjoyed very much because it centered around the best character ever. Um, spoiler for those who don't know, it's Liliana. Yep. And honestly, I really enjoyed the whole Gideon-Liliana interaction. They play really well off of each other. They really, really did. Like, 
like, like seeing that that direct mirror of each other, you know, to some degree, like, you know, obviously, like, enemy colors are going to do that to some degree. But like, Gideon and Chandra, it's like, you don't get that feeling, you know, because like, no. they have the same goal for the most part, they want to help people. Yes. But like, Gideon's like, all right, we're going to do this. And we're going to do this with everything we have. And Chandra's like, hell yeah, let's do this. Oh, look, a puppy. Yep. Like, and it's just gone. Like, like Chandra is like, I also want to help people, but she also has like some weird, like pseudo sexual tension with Gideon. And I honestly don't think Liliana has that at all. No, she really doesn't. Like, she has sexual tension with Jace. That's because yes. they have a history. But, yes. So, so she had. I just realized that she's okay. attracted to the nerd and not to the jock. There we go. That's she's, interesting. She. She is totally a goth chick. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah. It, you didn't really get that feeling throughout the whole thing, which was nice. Like, yeah. And honestly, I get the more tension. Like, uh, anything I noticed, it was like, it's obviously Chandra and Nyssa. But... Oh, yeah, that's... I've come to the conclusion that Chandra is bi, but they won't, they won't come out and say that she's bi. Which, if you believe... Did you they be in the book, though? In the War of the Spark book? Uh, no, they just heavily, 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 heavily imply that both Nyssa and Chandra liked each other. Okay. But they never actually did anything. Um, I actually think Chandra being bi would be really, really cool. But as the, uh, as the drunk uh, magic story will tell you, they're not going to blatantly say either one of them is gay because China. Yes, exactly. Like <laughs> that's too big of a market. We can't do this. Yep. Um, and until things clear up there, good luck with that. Yep. Um, international politics. But in um, my head canon, Chandra is bi, yeah. and it makes sense that she is because she is about passion. Yeah, exactly. So like, it totally makes sense because that matters for the gay watch story here. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, you wanted to talk about story. We're gonna talk We're about there. story. Yes, we are going to, but... Okay. Uh, Dominaria was great. Liliana is great. It actually made me appreciate Gideon. Yeah, like, I've always how? been kind how? of... I've always been kind of okay with Gideon as a character. While he is while he is a gigantic slab of meat, he does have personality to him. Just, I don't think you ever saw it. <laughs> his personality is his lack of personality. His personality is he wants to save people. He wants yeah. to. You should un- you well actually. Uh, so you should understand that your white color identity, but you're you're not that kind of white color identity. No, no, I am not. <laughs> but like, it's just it's it's so focused is the thing. It is like, and that's the thing. It's not even that I don't like. I agree with you. I think he has character. I think he's interesting. But the thing is, is you never get to see it. Because all because as a character, all that energy is focused in one direction. And I think here you finally get to see it. Yeah. All of his energy is focused in one in one direction, whatever's on the opposite side of his fist. Yes, pretty much. Yes. <laughs> like But in this, like, he actually wants to save Liliana from herself and yeah. her demons. And yeah. figuratively and literally. Yes. <laughs> like, um. <laughs> he actually wants to help her because he's a good person like legitimately good person and like this is where you see like liliana 
actually like being a decent human being or starting to be a decent human being. Yeah. Like, and honestly, I think like people are like shouting about that to some degree, but like, I feel, I, I don't know. There was a giant post about somebody basically saying that, uh, like black color identity cannot do good. Like people are, people are just, you know, they're like arguing morals and stuff like that and blah, blah, blah. It's like, it just doesn't exist. Like, can I say something really, yes. really weird? Okay. I feel like one of the biggest mistakes Richard Garfield, PhD, the literal god of magic, has ever uh-huh. done was deciding that the symbol for black mana was going to be a skull. Maybe, but I don't know. I, I understand where you're coming from, though. It makes people so biased to automatically assume that black is bad. Black is not bad. Yes. Black is, I don't want to say misunderstood, but it, it kind is. of is. It really is. Like, the black alliance, like, the evil person in Kamigawa's story, I'm going to drop that twice in two weeks, yep. was white. The yep. hero of the story was black aligned. It was mm-hmm. Toshiro Umizawa. Kiku, yep. his girlfriend, was also one of the pseudo heroes of the story even though she was a freaking assassin. Yeah. Like, like, like it, you know, and, and I think what the, it was somebody looking through their lens was what it was. Yeah. Like, like just because someone is self-serving doesn't mean they can't do good things. You can do some, you can yep. do a good thing, not just out of altruism. Sometimes you do it for other reasons. I don't, that's my thing right there. Like, <laughs> I don't donate to the Salvation Army every time I walk by one of those red buckets out of any sense of need to donate to them, I do it out of memory of my great grandmother who would, who was a bell ringer for the Salvation Army. Yeah. I'm not doing it. You do it because it's important to you. Yeah. I'm doing it because it makes me feel better as a person in honoring my grandmother, not because I'm giving some random people money. And see, I do it because it's practical. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I, I we're not going into that. That yeah. dives too much into the realm of other things. But like, let's not go there. <laughs> but like, so I'm very, very black color aligned. Like mm-hmm. I have learned over. There are a lot of people I care about and would, you know, do basically anything for. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a finite subset of numbers, or a number of people. But like, like I would do things for them because I care about them. That's for mm-hmm. me. Like you know, and. Like, I, I, I don't know. I think it was, I don't remember, I don't remember if it was you or somebody else who was ta- like talking to me. I think, so. I think I surprised somebody like, you know, it was like, well, how many people would you have to like sacrifice to, for somebody you care about? I'm like, pick a number. Like, <laughs> like, I don't care how many nameless, faceless people you want to just disappear off the face of this. I don't even care. Yeah, like, you, <laughs> you told me you were telling this to someone and they gave you a shocked look. Oh Yeah. Like, I, I literally just don't care about some of that stuff. Like, it, it's just like, like, it, it's a weird practicality to me. And like, is it good, bad or others? Whatever. I don't, I don't give a shit. Like, you know, like, like you, in the yeah. end, it's like, I'm going to do the things that I, for the things I care about, like, you know, and that's just what it is, you know? Yeah. And, like you, you are not someone who hymns and haws over that whole morality question where you have one 
you know, person you care about tied up on train tracks and four nameless fans, like nameless people you don't know tied up on another train track. Stack up as many as you want on the other one. Like derail the train. Like, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) You do not, like that question, like there's no moral complexity there for you. You know exactly what your answer is. Easy peasy. Like that is, there is absolutely no moral complexity there. Like it's, it's not even a hard choice. Like, uh, and I, and maybe that makes me a bad person and I'm okay with that. Like, I just, I literally don't give a shit. Like, God, I really am. <laughs> like, other than, like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I find myself, like, saying things and, like, or, like, thinking things in my head. And then, like, eventually I'll be like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> but it's like, you know, and it sounds really bad when you say it all and stuff. But it's like, you know, there's a lot of things, like, as I said about, like, I'm a, I'm a huge person. I, I, I believe heavily in donating to charity. Like, because, and that's a, it, maybe it's a black-white combination thing, but, like, are you still there? I am still there. I'm just listening. Okay, I just never know if you disconnected. But, like, maybe it's a black-white combination thing, but, like, I just never know, or I am, um, I just find that there's a, a real sense of practicality to it, and it makes sense to me. Like, you know, I'm not going to waste things, like, for, you know, when it could be performing a functional purpose that in the long term helps me like you know yeah. i'm not sh- i'm not short-sighted in a lot of ways and stuff like you know it's 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 a really weird like conflict but you know and to bring it back all the way around to here like i think as liliana starts to understand gideon she starts to appreciate him and you know m- makes it something that she cares about if that makes sense I'm not going to lie. The main reason why I stopped talking is because I was really, really curious how you were going to turn this back to what we were talking about. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I did it. I have you done did. this long enough. We are, we are 121 episodes in. I can, I can turn things back around there, but <laughs> so that's how deep throating a fish is useful to magic storyline. I could figure it out, um, <laughs> but so, um, as far as the bolus art goes with Dominaria, basically it's all Lily all the time in this one to some degree. Uh, there is one very, very key part of this story that plays into the bolus story arc. And that's Liliana killing her demon and then getting in Bolas's clutches? Uh, beyond that, actually. Okay, what is it? Part of the reason why Gideon went to Dominaria is he heard about an ancient blade... Oh, the Black Blade, yes. Which had the power to slay elder dragons. Mm-hmm. And it was an evil blade. And a big question for him was whether or not he could wield the blade without he himself being corrupted. This yep. is a blade that in its creation, the guy who made it couldn't quench it, so he used his own son's body. That's how it became evil. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Shocking. <laughs> I know. Slightly uh, and cuddly. So Gideon like goes out of his way to find the Black Blade, which is actually held by Belzenlock, uses the Black Blade Convenient. to kill Belzenlock. <laughs> I know. As well as like kills Whisper, I'm pretty sure. Who's, yeah, like, Whisper gets killed. And like, you know, suddenly he has a you know, Nicol Bolas, God Pharaoh, Dragon God, slaying sword on his back. Yep. And he looks dashing with it. 
yeah, he looks dashing, causes many problems in standard. Mm. <laughs> Actually, I don't think he was that big of a problem, was he? But... No, the actual card getting a black blade is okay at best. Okay. It was the four mana one from Monkat, that's the one you hated. Uh, no, it was the four mana one from Battle for Zendikar. Oh, okay. Sorry. I never know which four mana getting you don't like. The one that turns into a creature. <laughs> There's only one four mana Gideon. Is there? Yeah. Oh, okay, well that shows you how much I know about this game. Yeah, we uh, have a, we have a one, a three, a four, a five. Uh, this is not counting any of the Planeswalker decks ones because those ones are unplayable. Yes. Although I'm pretty sure there's a six mana one in the Planeswalker deck. Yeah, we don't Probably. have a two drop Gideon. Get on that, Wizards. Yeah, we'll we'll see when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Wink, wink. All right. <laughs> what are you implying? <laughs> um, so, but so that that piece happens. This is actually a like they needed to have this set for the payoff in War of the Spark. They for, did. like for a lot of the pieces of it and everything, obviously. But yep. like they needed to have Gideon and Liliana build that relationship. Yep, they needed to build that relationship. They needed to set all the pieces for the gigantic climax that was War of the Spark. Like. Mm-hmm. Dominaria basically set up the last quarter of the story by itself. It really did, yeah. Which is kind of insane. Which is kind of funny in a weird way, too, because most of the story was about the Weatherlight crew dicking around. I know. And, like, you know, making friends with a fungus for some weird reason instead of (laughs) purging it with fire. I mean, he's a pretty sweet fungus. He's hilarious. Yep. But the, (laughs) the correct thing still would be to burn it. You don't let mold grow on your wooden ship. That's how you lose structural integrity. That's just shipping 101. Okay. It's like letting it's like letting the the letting rust start building up all over your delivery truck. It's just gonna lead to problems. Okay. I'll believe you. Shipping. Alright. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, punchline Gideon finds an evil sword that kills dragons and Liliana kills her demons and Bolus is like lol, you're mine. Things the Black Blade has killed. Dragons, demons, and young children. Sweet. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, after Dominaria, we take a slight break to go to Corset 2019. Yep. This is where we get the backstory. Yep. Which is actually a pretty sweet backstory. Uh, we go back to the original Legends Dragons. Uh, so we get Palladium Moors, uh, Arcades Sabath, Chromium, uh, what's the one? Vevictus Asmati, or mm-hmm. Vevictus the Ravager, I think is what it was called. Uh, Nicol Bolas himself. Yep. Uh, this is where we also learn that Nicol Bolas has a twin brother. Oh my gosh. Erner. So... Erner. And we've met him before. Yep, we've met him before. Interesting thing about Elder Dragons. They are born with two names, and they are born knowing their names. So, Vevictus Asmati knew his name was Vevictus Asmati when he was born. When dragons are born twins, they are born with one name. They are born with one name each. They share each other. You know, they share the other half of the name from the other. So it was Nicole, it was Nicole Ugin, mm-hmm. or Ugin Nicole. I prefer Nicole Ugin, it actually flows better. So this is where we learned that the colorless dragon, Ugin, 
was actually the twin brother of Nicobolus, which is something that I pointed out when we first saw Ugin's card, because I'm like, his stance looks like a semi-mirrored version of Nicobolus's art from M13. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that's weird. And then I literally never thought about it since because that was in Fate Reforged. Yeah. Like right. it's like, oh, clearly enough, clearly nothing's coming from this, right? Turns out something came from it. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> this is where we also learned that uh Bolus basically kind of lived a large part of his life just feeling inferior because he only had one name. And he was smaller than the other dragons because he was born with a twin. Uh, he gave himself the second name because, as he said, all true dragons have a second name. So he gave himself the name Bolus. Mm-hmm. I did not actually finish reading the core set M19 storyline, so I don't know what Bolus is supposed to mean, but I do know that he gave himself the second name so he would become, as he referred to it, a true dragon. Yeah. And this is where we also learned that he had like a sadistic streak and was kind of a dick and, you know. Okay. I mean, he's a dragon. Like yeah. that's basically like not a shocker by any stretch of the imagination. No. I mean, Arcades was actually not a bad. Like Arcades was actually a good dragon, all things considered. Okay. Even... Yeah, they're all dead, aren't they? Because he killed them. Uh, he killed one of them. I think Chromium got killed. Was the one that got killed by the Black Blade? Okay. Maybe it was Pallades Moors. I don't remember. One of them got killed by the Black Blade. Uh, Bolus himself killed another one. Uh, Bolus himself died. And yep. other ones got killed through some reasons. It's not actually even confirmed that they're dead. It's just believed that they're dead because no one's seen them in millennia. Yeah. So. And then we get the Eldest Reborn and Bolus comes back more powerful than he was the first time he died because he can do that. <laughs> apparently because his name is Nicol Bolas so yeah right. I I also really enjoyed this core set for the story wise uh, the limited environment was kind of sweet we got to play in our first Grand Prix playing this as the, as the limited format <laughs> I have fond memories of M19 yeah me too <laughs> a large part of those fond memories also probably involve a team trios sealed event that we did hell yes it does but i'm not gonna lie the, mo- the main like the biggest reason why i'm kind of sad i didn't get to go to this grand prix in minneapolis and i'm actually <laughs> considering driving down tomorrow for no good reason whatsoever is because i won't ha- be able to i won't have a chance of seeing kyle i don't even know if he still lives in the area but it's but sad that I won't chance. Go <laughs> oh man I'm not going to, but I've considered it. Yeah. So. Your man crush. All right. He's just so, a good dude. He's a good dude. So that's Core 19. It, it Core 19 around a little bit and stuff, gave us some backstory that really doesn't matter that much. Yeah. I mean, it did, it, mm-hmm. it did what it needed to, basically. Yeah, like it, it gave us it gave us like the true back backstory. It created a it created ties between Ugin and Bolas, which was important. Yep. Besides the fact that Bolas killed Ugin, now we know why Bolas killed Ugin. Yeah, it's because Ugin basically dedicated his existence to trying to thwart Bolas. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So next we're off to Guilds of Ravnica. 
this set was basically nothing but setup, right? Yeah. I think it was basically just kind of moving pieces into place here. Because um, this had, is it, right? Uh, yes, this had, so, is so it? So Ral was kind of doing his thing, setting stuff up, right? Yeah, this had Ral, this had Vraska. Yep. You know, basically everyone was setting up the thing. There was like, there was a really, really big undertone of something is going to happen. Just people don't yep. know what yet. Mm-hmm. Like that was a very, very big thing in this set. Uh, this is where like, you know, plans start, you know, being laid, laid out for what people want to have happen. This is where, um, the guilds basically start being taken over by people who work for bolus yeah start getting blown up and stuff like all over the place yeah like bad things are happening but it's mm-hmm. only like a precursor to like what's actually going to happen yeah. and then ravnica allegiance is basically just more of the same well ravnica allegiance was where a lot of things came to a head i suppose so yeah this was because this was sort of the pre-war this the pre and then allegiance it Alleg- all started coming together. Really, actually, like half stuff happened, and then and then we get into War of the Spark. But yeah, yeah. like okay. So basically, this sets up like you know both of these sets set up the distrust between like ev- like there were inter guild fighting going on. As oh yeah, we they were killing the shit out of each other. You know, like which has always kind of been a thing. Like all the guilds yeah. have always had like one person who's the leader and one person who's like alongside that doesn't necessarily agree with them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's just a thing that's always existed, but they they seem like they were pushing that narrative a lot more. You know? It it really did. Well, I mean like if you look at um uh, I just always love uh Lavinia's character in this set. <laughs> Like the uh, Y four, I suppose. Just, just cause, like the whole, like I knew, like, like she's the one that knows stuff's going wrong. Yeah. Like, and is like, and, and kind of blames Jace for it, doesn't she? Oh, uh, she blames him for not being around because he is the guild pact. Yeah, like, and it's like your fault that this is all happening. Yeah. You're, you know, running around in circles and doing whatever and falling in love with snakes. Like, yeah, like if he if he was actually there to do his job, things would be under control. But he ha- but he's been missing yep. for months because <laughs> of the whole amnesia trip on Ixalan. Yeah, caused some problems there. I wish I could get amnesia and go to a tropical island and show up for work and not get in trouble. Yeah, right. Hang out with snake babes. I'd do it. Yeah, but. So yeah, but like, uh, so in Allegiance, Domri starts doing his thing. Yeah, Allegiance and, get, and getting everybody to start smash, smash, smash. Like kind Kaya, of. Uh, well, it starts the smash, smash, yeah. smash, doesn't? He? But and then Kaya just ass murders everyone. Like, well, kind of. She ass murders ghost ass. Yeah, and then. <laughs> releases all the souls doesn't she yeah so apparently there's some really weird fine prints in everything orzov related yep. shocker i know yeah, right um if you somehow kill or eliminate a member of the orzova yep you take on all of their owed debts uh-huh since she killed all of them, 
she gained all of their owed debts, she suddenly became the de facto leader of the Orzov. Yeah. Because all of the wealth that was owed to the Ghost Council was now owed to Kaya. Yep. And basically, she gained control of the guild because she had all that power. And mm -hmm. she literally told everyone, if you mess with me, I will literally release every single spirit bound to me. Which is the equivalent of telling, like, of you know, a bunch of millionaire investment bankers, yeah. if you if you mess with me, I'm gonna delete all of your stuff that says people owe you money. Yeah, it's like the scene in Ghostbusters two where they turn off the containment thing. Yeah, it's like all hell. Two? No, that's one. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> all all hell will break loose. Suddenly, yeah. suddenly, you know, the Church of Deals, the most wealthy conglomerate in the entirety of Ravnica, would suddenly have a fraction of their actual wealth yep so that's how she takes over that um i don't even know if anything actually came of the simic they just kind of did their thing yeah what was happening with them i mean they're big fans of body modification now are they just like jerking off snakes or something or whatever well crabs more like okay little, little crab arms doing crabby things <laughs> They have but, a they have a goo girl as a guild leader now. Oh, is that the yeah, jellyfish lady, isn't it? Uh she she's an ooze. Is she an ooze? Ooze. Okay. Ooze the boss, I guess. <laughs> and but, Rakdos was doing Rakdos things. Yeah, Rakdos was Rakdosing. But Ra Rakdos don't need to listen to nobody. No, they don't. They yeah, they don't. Um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, that all happened. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know. They, these were kind of just setup sets in a lot of ways. Yeah, these were one hundred percent sets that set up to the true climax finale. You know, what act? Technically, act three, but not act three. Yeah, like act seventeen hundred. Yeah, <laughs> that was War of the Spark. Yes. This All right. is where everything that has been built up over so many years finally came to a conclusion. This this was the payoff. We also missed a ridiculously a large amount of story. If you didn't read the stories that came out between Ravnica Allegiance and the actual War of the Spark novel. Okay. It, did you know that Niv-Mizzet decided to challenge Nicol Bolas one-on-one? -on -one? I did not. He was reduced to smoldering bones instantly. Seems legit. That was part of the plan. Uh, it was not part of it. it was, so what was supposed to happen is Bolas or Niv-Mizzet found out about everything. Yep. Because Niv-Mizzet is the Draco genius. Yes, he's, he's pretty sharp. He is attempting to get all the guilds to work together to basically make him the new living guild pact. He would relinquish control of his guild. He mm -hmm. would become the living guild pact because Jace clearly wasn't around doing his job because Jace yeah. sucks. Yeah, we'll be totally honest there. He does. <laughs> yep. So, and Niv knew this was the only way he would have the power to actually take on Bolas. Yep. Because, duh. Yeah. So they're there. They're going to start doing this whole big fancy ritual thing. 
and Vraska murders Asperia. Like, <laughs> during the ritual, murders Asperia. Just, just straight up is like, you're dead. Yep. Someone else is brainwashed and murders the Rakdos person who is there instead of, Ra- like, she is there in Rakdos's stead. Just okay. murders her. Just dead. Okay. And She's so enjoyed it. Yeah, so the entire big ritual to make Niv-Mizzet the new Living Guild Pact fails, and Bolas is like, lol, you're nothing to me, and incinerates him. Okay. Because that's a thing. Yep. I like Niv-Mizzet, but Niv-Mizzet don't stand no chance. Yeah, I mean, we can be honest here. Like, (laughs) I'm a big fan of someone who thinks they're strictly better than everyone else because they're so smart. I know who the actual you know, winner of that fight's going to be. <laughs> Hint, it's the one that is thousands more years old. Yep. So, yeah, because, uh, I mean, like, that was kind of like, when you were when you were getting the set and everything, it was like, oh, this happened, I guess. Like, yeah, like, I'm, like, looking at all, like, spoilers for World of Spark, I'm like, why is that missing poster show Niv-Mizzet's face? Right. They killed Niv-Mizzet, I'm going to be really mad. And then they, they get, like they show all, they showed all this stuff that's like Nimbus is dead. I'm like, I'm really mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is where the like I said, the story yeah. here reaches its final climax. War of the Spark is released, mm-hmm. and the first thing that happens is something that Ral Zarek had been crafting since Return to Ravnica, the Planar really? Beacon is triggered. Oh, yeah, Ral Zarek is all Ral Zarek is actually has been working for Bolts for a while. Yeah. I think I remember that. But. Yep. Uh he creates the planar beacon which creates five dancing lights in front of the eyes of any planeswalker, one for each other color of magic, and it basically just compels them to go to the plane of Ravnica. Mm-hmm. So that triggers. And then the Immortal Sun is activated, which means any planeswalker that goes there is trapped there. They cannot leave. <laughs> and Bolas shows up. He's like, yep, all my plans are coming to fruition. He raises one of the most broken magic cards ever created in recent history and puts a throne on it. Like, this is my citadel. I'm going <laughs> to sit here and watch all my plans come to fruition. Yep. And then after all the planeswalkers are kind of there doing their thing, suddenly the planar bridge bursts out of the Hall of the Guild Pact. Which Basically, is a, the center of the city disappears. Yeah, the like, center of the city disappears in a massive explosion and Eternals start walking out. Mm-hmm. Even that was planned. Yep. Uh, he specifically blew up the center of the city because that is where the ley lines converge to give Jace his power as the living guild pact. Yeah. Which, yeah, which means Jace suddenly had no power. Like, (laughs) Jace could technically make someone die with the magic of Ravnica if he said that they're breaking one of his laws. Mm -hmm. Like, he could argue that, he could argue that, and that would actually come to fruition as long as it was within the laws. But since that everything exploded, Bolas is like, yeah, you don't have that power anymore. And we've already learned 1v1. No one stands a chance against Bolas. Yes. <laughs> Nobody. 
1v1 fight me. All right. This actually leads to a really... You haven't actually read War of the Spark, right? Nope. Uh, So this is all me. Uh, This actually leads... Have you read the book? I have. I own it. Oh, cool. I can borrow it if you think you'll ever read it. I might need to borrow that, yeah. I'm going to be completely real with you. It is not a good book, (laughs) but it's entertaining. I read all... I've read some of the other ones. I think I'll be fine. (laughs) I actually think this book is written worse than the ones that were posted on the Mothership. Okay. Like, it's just too rushed. Like, it's too rushed. They kind of just go through a lot really quickly. It's just... It's not enough setup for what it needs to be, and the book is too short for what it needs to be. But it's still fine. It gives you a lot of story. All right, sweet. Um, So... Eternals start walking out and everyone starts fighting against the Eternals. You know, everyone's doing their thing. All this stuff's going on. Yada, yada, yada. Um, the Eternals start killing people. The Planeswalkers start fighting back against the Eternals. Uh, the Planeswalkers are kind of winning. Uh, Nyssa goes to the Selesnian Conclave, <laughs> awakens Vitugazi itself. Yep. And has it go and start wrecking shit. Like, one of the big key story moments is it topples a statue of Bolas that he raised just to mm-hmm. raise. And, that, and like, Vitugazi is just destroying Eternals left and right. Mm-hmm. And suddenly everyone feels this great, big, massive, like, presence as the god Eternals walk through the planar bridge. Uh, the God Eternals proceed to literally rip Vitugazi limb from limb, which means that now the Selesnian Conclave doesn't like Nyssa. I was going to say, I'm like... <laughs> they blame her for their actual, like, you know, en- like near-godly entity getting destroyed by gods. There's a lot of gods smacking each other's shit here. There is a lot of gods smacking each other's shit here. Uh, and when this happens, this is when Domri looks up at Bolas. He's like, hey, Bolas is messing with the Slesnia. I can get behind messing with the Slesnia. I'm going to go try and align myself with Bolas. I'm on and, Team Bolas. Yeah, and like all of the, literally all of the other Gruul guys are like, Bro, really? Like, you're just gonna trade like one collar for another? He's like, nah, Bolus is our friend. I'll go show you. So he walks up to Bolus's citadel. He's like, yo, Bolus, I wanna be on your team. And Bolus looks at him, like, makes a random motion. And this is when Domri becomes the first planeswalker to have his spark harvested. <laughs> Which means he dies in horrible agony, screaming. Like, Just like he deserves. <laughs> they focus a lot on how loud and pitiful his screaming sounded. <laughs> like, that was a big story moment, which was kind of hilarious. Uh, so what happens is suddenly, basically all the Eternals weren't fighting at full strength. Mm-hmm. And suddenly they're now at full strength and they start just murdering people. Yep. Like, they're murdering planeswalkers at this point, And no one can flee. Did our favorite person show up yet or is she around? Liliana? Yep. Uh, she shows up as soon as the Citadel is raised. She's literally okay. standing at the foot of his throne the whole time. Oh, okay. Like, as soon as the Planar Bridge comes out, she's she is controlling the Dreadhorde. Yep. Okay. So she's just kind of sitting there, like, making the occasional, like, you know, we'll, we'll snap back to her and she'll think about something and we'll snap back to other people. 
Okay. You know, she's she's not like a very large part of the story for most, most of it, of actually. It. Like, she, like she, is. she is, but she isn't. Yeah. So suddenly, planeswalkers start being harvested, and everyone's like, "Oh God, this is the worst thing ever!" So they hatch their plan. They need to disable the planar beacon, which they have to do in a sweet way. They have to uh, turn off the immortal sun which kind of comes full circle for Chandra because Dovin is the one who's in charge of it. And they have to kill Bolas. This is, or no, sorry, they have to close the planar bridge and they have to kill Bolas. This is their four-step plan for not dying. Okay. So they send Obnixilis, Ral Zarek, and Karn through the planar bridge to kick Tezzeret in the nuts and get him to close the planar bridge and they succeed. Okay. So, uh, they, so they run through there, kick him in the nuts. Yeah. Um, Nicholas steps on a puppy. Samet also goes through there, which is because obviously it's her plane. So yeah. she, she goes through. Uh, there's a lot of enter- somewhat entertaining banter between Obnixilis and Ral Zarek because Obnixilis can very clearly tell that Ral Zarek doesn't like being around him. <laughs> so he's just like torturing him with words which is hilarious uh chandra sahili rai uh someone else go to stop dovin bon yeah which this leads to honestly they focused a lot on the murder of Domri. this leads to in my opinion the most brutal thing that happens uh-huh. um Chandra is actually invisible during this whole encounter. And Dobin's like rubbing it in. He's like, I prepared for all of you. I know what you're doing. I know how to stop everything you're doing. And then Chandra, quotations, Chandra drops her guys. And she's actually Lazav, who was using an is it flamethrower to pretend to be Chandra. Chandra. <laughs> what? Throws two. Sh- <laughs> I, I'm ruining this story for you. I hope that's okay for you. Oh yeah, uh, I'm I'm a person who I can know the end of a story and enjoy it still. Yeah. So. throws two shurikens into the eyes of Dovin Bond oh, to blind yeah. him, and then Chandra's like, "Lol, get wrecked," and turns off the immortal sun. Huh. Like Lazav just being a badass, using an is it flamethrower, <laughs> casually throwing shurikens into people's eyes. Lazav shows up and is the hero. <laughs> Yeah, Lazov is the hero. Go figure, I guess. Yeah, question mark. <laughs> okay. Um, then Ral Zarek goes to turn off the planar beacon since he created it, but he specifically created it with the intent of it never being able to be turned off. So the way he turns it off is he uses that capacitor on his back to suck all the power out of the planar beacon and shoot lightning bolts like to discharge the energy. And he can only do like 2% a go. So he's just thro- shooting these freakishly powerful lightning bolts. Uses one of them to blow the arm off of Kefnet. <laughs> um, and then Gideon decides that he's going to go stop Bolas and be a badass. Yeah, because Gideon's going to Gideon. Yep. Okay. Uh, so while this is all going on... Um, God Eternal... Or they're also... Like, all this is doing their thing... Gideon gets a goddamn flying Pegasus because, of course, he does. Yeah, he uh, they decide to do this ritual to tr- still try and make Niv Mizzet the 
you know, turn him into the living guild fact because apparently this is going to resurrect him. Yeah. Uh, because when he died, his soul was sucked into a container so he wouldn't die. And the container had enough power to keep functioning for like uh, decades. Okay. Because he's a dragon, he plants ahead. Yep. So they resurrect, they resurrect Niv Mizzet. He kills God Eternal Ronus and immediately passes out because of how much energy he had to use to do it. Uh, while they are in Amonkhet, Karn picks up Hazard's spear and brings it back with him to Ravnica because reasons. Because reasons, <laughs> okay. Um, and then we cut to Gideon doing Gideon totally awesome manly things. Yeah, he's making he's going on his giant quest to slay the dragon with his dragon slaying sword. Yep. Uh, Aketra shoots him out of the, shoots his Pegasus out of the sky. He gets caught by freaking Rakdos of all people. <laughs> rides freaking Rakdos. I remember. I know this story yeah. point. Rides Rakdos. He jumps off Rakdos, strikes Bolas in like directly between the eyes with the black blade, and it shatters. <laughs> Be- and this is Isn't where this like the biggest plot twist ever. Kind yeah, of thing. This, like this is the biggest plot twist ever because apparently. That was all laid in place by Bolas himself. He he hinted to them at the existence of a weapon capable of slaying elder dragons because he knew they would focus on that and wouldn't try to find a weapon that could actually kill him. As soon as the Blackblade killed another elder dragon, he cast a spell to make it so he couldn't die to the Blackblade. <laughs> like, that was all his thing. He, he, like, set up this big, huge thing. It was like, yep. lols, gotcha. And, like, so Gideon plummets to the ground, literally broken, and, like, lands at Liliana's feet. And Liliana's like, you know what? I'd rather die on my own terms. Turns on Bolas. Bolas tries burning her. Gideon sacrifices himself. Uh, the God Eternals stop Bolas, or kill Bolas. Ugin goes into Jace's head and tells Jace, Here's the thing. You can't kill Bolas. He's already come back from the dead once. Do you really think he won't do it again? So Ugin has Jace make literally everyone on the plane view Bolas as dying. While Ugin swoops in after he gets his spark sucked out by the God Eternals wraps him in his own wings to protect him and teleports him to the pools of meditation, mm-hmm. which is Bolas's was Ugin's and is now Ugin's again's personal plane that he created. Yep. And uh, because he doesn't have a spark, Bolas gets like completely ravaged by the powers of the blind eternity. He's like both of his eyes like burn out and like his skin like incinerates and he winds up healing up. And so he's like relatively fineish, but Ugin made him like forget his name and shit. So now he can't actually leave. And Ugin is basically basically said, "I will never leave this plane, and I will make sure you never leave this plane until we both die." Huh. So, yeah. So, okay. the second bit, biggest baddie in all of magic is still alive. Because why would they kill him? Yep. I mean, yeah. Like you have to do that. Exactly. I'm still smug that I called it, by the way. Which part? Liliana and Gideon's thing. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, also, you told me no, but okay. All right, just like as like a final final thing, this has yep. nothing to do with with Bolas, but um, Niv Mizzet is still the Living Guild Pact, and he sent Ral Zarek to go hunt Tezzeret. Uh, someone else, like he's basically sending. He's sending planeswalkers to go hunt down and kill any planeswalker that was aligned with Bolas. Yeah, which means so someone's after Lily. <laughs> Vraska is okay. after Lily. Yeah, <laughs> because that's going to be a big story because Vraska is going after Liliana and Jace has a history with both of them. So, yep, that is very clearly a setup to that. Yeah. So, so that, that is the Bolas story arc. Yeah. So, uh. For the spark as a whole, we'll just hit that really quick. This was a great payoff. Yes. Every single card in this set told part of the story, yeah. and it was perfect. Some of the it cards don't great. quite make sense. Like, um, Domri, Anarch of Bolas, he never actually worked for Bolas. Like, he never yeah. got a Bolas-headed staff. That's just, like, in the actual canon story, he never did yeah. that. But I get it. You have to do what you got to do, right? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was the only one that was like you know yeah swap to team bolus like that but whatever um yeah. i know people also questioned angrath because wait when it came down to it literally only two planeswalkers actually worked for bolus yeah dovin and tezzeret yeah all the other ones were anti-bolus yeah but i or think we're like temporarily bolus and then we're like yeah, nah, this is this a bad idea. Seem super great. Yeah, yeah, so there's a lot of people who are like, "Oh man, Angrath is on the side of Bolas because he can make a mass tokens." The Planeswalkers were literally created with their abilities, and then they just put Planeswalkers to those abilities that would make the most sense. Yeah, for like, the uncommon ones. So yeah, so that's 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 why they did what they did. Angrath was there because he was there. Yes, Angrath was there to talk about how he wanted to go back to seeing his daughters. Yeah, basically, and be angry. I think Wrath is sweet. He's okay. But, yeah. Like, overall, I really like, as you said, the payoffs and stuff like that. It's just, all the little pieces finally coming together felt really good. And, as I said, like, Gideon sacrificing himself would have made no sense without Dominaria. The Blackbait yeah. thing would have made no sense without Dominaria, you know, kind of stuff. Like it, like all those pieces kind of like click together really, really well, and in a really enjoyable way. Yeah, and I, I actually something else that I really like is a lot of the playable uh, commons and uncommons from the mm -hmm. War of the Spark are also they in of themselves very good story moments. Like D Spark, yeah. Tyrant Scorn, Dovin's mm -hmm. Veto, like all these things fit into the actual story that happened, which I really, really liked. Yeah. But that's something that happens when literally every single card you print in a set fits into the story. Oh yeah. Like every single freaking card in that set. Like it is just perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like oh, man, I don't know. It was such a good wrap up and then they did, did like them releasing signature spell with Gideon was just perfect too. Yeah, that, that, that was re that rest in peace, yo. That rest in peace, like everything about that was just like mwah, fabulous yeah. story. Like everything about it is sweet. I still don't like the fact that there's that, that there's more worships in the world, but what do you do? Uh, yeah, you hate that card. 
It's just so, overplayed. That's it. I know. So, all right. Looking at the whole thing as a big picture, like we're, we've been, you know, we've been with the Gatewatch now for what? Four, three years, four years? I don't even know. Oath, I'm not going to lie. Oath of, the Oath of the Gatewatch came out in January 2016. Yeah, so three and years. And we finished up with War of the Spark in 2019. So Over, over three and a half years. So, so like three and a half years about. Like, you know, we've got to live with this for a while. Like, did it pay off, I guess, is the question. Um, and do they keep going this route with the Gatewatch story if they can do things like this? I mean, I... I'm of the opinion, I'm of the opinion, yes, and a pretty solid yes if they can pull off shit like War of the Spark. Yeah, that's the big question, right? Like, this one definitely paid off really, really well. Yes. Like, there was an entire arc of Nicobolas, which was sweet. Yep. The big question, the, the big thing is, like, Nicobolas is a character that can yep. do plain spanning stuff like this, right? Like, yeah. this is not, like, let's be completely honest with ourselves. We're not going to have, like, a blind Dovin Bond come out and turn out to be an even bigger bad than Bolas ever was. Yeah. Right? Like, he does not have that power. Bolas has been laying plans for millennia mm -hmm. to do what he wants to do. And that's just not something... that That is not a scale that anyone else can obtain outside of, like, the Phyrexians. Yeah. Which, there will be a Phyrexian arc of some sort coming up. There, there will. And I will say, I actually would... I would. I think if they're going to do stuff like this, you can't... Like, they can't just immediately jump into another one, right? Like No, there, no I think they need some simmer down time. Yeah, like, there will be burnout. But I do like the thought of doing it for the big bads, as it were. Yeah. Like, like there, if there is not, like, a multi-year story behind like finally like doing something that severely impacts the Frexians, they're doing a disservice to the Frexians. I agree. Like yeah. if they went to Amonkhet and actually somehow kicked the shit out of Bolas, that is a major disservice to Bolas as a character. Yeah. Like I mean and we all knew what was going on there. Like Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, obviously and stuff. But like yeah, I agree. Like you have to set up the like they set up the the successes and failures appropriately in this. Like and I actually really liked it how they set up all right, we're going to have a victory and then we're going to start this Bolas arc. And they kind of, like, once they hit Monquette, they're like, all right, fraction. They, they kind of threw the, the, the Gatewatch all over and pieced it back together. Yeah. In some ways. Like, and honestly, now, like, the story you can tell after this now is, is like, the leader of the, leader of the Gatewatch is dead. Like, <laughs> yes, the actual factual leader is gone. Yeah, like, he, he is DED dead. Like, so, what do they do now? Yeah, you I know? am really curious about that. Like, obviously, we're going to Throne of Eldraine. Um, the only Planeswalker we know that's going to be on it is Rowan Kenrith. Yep. Which is interesting. Well, Rowan, Rowan and Will, both of them are. Will is actually confirmed also he, as confirmed, being on there? Yeah, yes, okay. confirmed. They were, actually made, they were actually made for this set and then put into Battlebond. That's sweet. Yeah, so we have Rowan, who is Little Red Riding Hood. Yep. And something that I heard that I actually think sounds super sweet mm -hmm. is um, they they might have Garrick be the big bad wolf. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I'm like, if you bring, like, that's a threat you bring back that could span a long time. Yeah, because he, 
he's not a multi-planar he's not like a planar threat but all the people who are in the gatewatch should be goddamn afraid of him yeah he is he here's the thing if they had had garrick come out of nowhere and bury his freaking axe in the head of bolus i would have been like yeah, that actually makes sense. A damn son. Like, like I would have been like, "Oh shit!" And then I'd be like, "Yeah, he hunts planeswalkers." Yeah, that's literally his thing. Like, he started hunting planeswalkers because he was corrupted by the curse of the chain veil. <laughs> and when he regained back his sanity, he realized he liked it. <laughs> he enjoys murder. Yeah, like. I don't care if, like, yeah, like, like you said, he's not going to wipe out a plane like Amonkhet. He's not going to nope. destroy half of Ravnica. Nope. But any single living creature in the multiverse should be scared of that guy hunting them. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, like cause I, he, And I think that's a decent arc to follow it up with to some degree. Yeah, and like it would even make sense in the sense of like the grim fairy tales world that we're going into. It would, like, yeah. Like this big overarching hunter yep. just in the darkness. Uh-huh. And it would be sweet. <laughs> and then, yeah, Little Red Riding Hood of the Big Bad Wolf. <laughs> yeah. I still think there's going to be like a sword, like there's special swords on Eldraine. I'm still calling that. But okay, we'll, we'll see. There's just way too many swords that look really, really weird okay like the hilts on them just seem like there's something special about them okay well we'll, we will find out i'm sure soon enough but i'm excited so yeah it'll be exciting but like i think i think having a a big bad like that would be better than going to something you know planar spanning and like that like you have something that's an internal threat to some degree yeah like like make it more personal yep exactly you know less Less World War Two, a little more revolution, or a little more uh, civil war. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> as morbid as that sounds. Yeah. Like, you know, it'll be interesting. But honestly, like, as I said, if they can pull off something of the quality of War of the Spark every so often, for to cap off like arcs like this, like, they can do as many of these as they want. Yeah. Because that was just, like. Where the spark was perfection in, in a lot of ways, like it was just beautiful, like yeah. in what from, it did. From a storytelling perspective, War of the Spark was a perfect set. Yeah, yes, like about as perfect as you can get in Magic, at least. Yeah, like once again, purely for storytelling yeah. purposes. Like yeah. they they made a freaking five mana five four vanilla in black, a relevant part of the Magic story. Like, that's saying something. Yeah. Seriously. Hippos from across the stars. Hippos from across the stars. I love that. Uh, but, you know, and honestly, I like. I think one of the enjoyable things about this set, or about that set, was that you have a bunch of different things clashing. Yeah. Like, you know, you have the, the Amonkhet stuff clashing with the Ravnica stuff. Like, and I think that's really sweet, but... Yeah, like, it, it absolutely was, like, the culmination of a lot of different worlds. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the finale of Devastation or whatever it is has a yep. freaking dinosaur on it. Right, yeah. Like, that was a thing. 
You know, I don't recall if there actually was anything from Kaladesh outside of Sahili herself, but yeah. maybe I'm just not thinking very of the right stuff. But Dovin, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but but like like yeah, it was like all these different pieces taken from all across all these different things, all these different characters from all throughout like magic lore, just all pulled into one for this ultimate climax, and it was just yep. good. Yep, it was. So. I don't know. Hopefully they, as I said, they can do something like that eventually, but we obviously need some cooldown time. Core 2020 was a good cooldown because there really wasn't much story-wise going on there at all. Um, no. They're just like, all right, everybody take a moment, catch your breath, you know, and we'll move into the next one, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Was Any weird other though. thoughts? Oh, sorry? I feel like that's not the first time we've had like a core set that revolved around Chandra, which I think is kind of weird. But M fourteen, right? Yeah, M fourteen. She was like the main face of the core set. Yeah, she was the face of the set, and it was also the slowest set ever in limited. <laughs> yeah, but slam first pick opportunity. You don't mind? Yeah, opportunity was a windmill slam through the table for his pick. But all right, cool. Any other thoughts? I'm kind of. This has nothing to do with the story. Okay. But it has to do okay. with ma- it has to do with magic story. Okay. Yeah. That new card that I linked like a week or so, or a couple weeks ago now at this point. Okay. The son of Yogmoth. I don't even know what his name is. Yeah. Okay. I don't like his name. I I know you said this. I don't like that he's called the son of Yogmoth. I know. I know you don't. Yogmoth didn't breed with anyone. I mean, I guess it could be like a metaphorical son of Yogmoth, right? Like, he is like the culmination of what the Phyrexians are doing. That's more than likely what it is. He better be. Because if he's actually supposed to be like the quotations of blood descendant of Yogmoth, I'm going to have words with Watsi. I wonder if Yogmoth would have had to pound to get that to come out. Oh, there. He actually did fall in love with a woman, but. She yeah, but that, I, I can't imagine that that woman looked anything like that. Yeah. Well, you have to realize his seed, as it were, is probably slightly tainted by his own experiments. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else to talk about that's appropriate or inappropriate, I guess? No. Just, All right. I just wanted to put that out there. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> So, um, if anybody wants to shoot us some feedback, you can shoot us an email to thelocalmeta at gmail.com. Catch us on Twitter at thelocalmetapc. Um, check out thelocalmeta.com for all of our past episodes and a link to the Discord where we are constantly doing fun things. Come talk to us. We're lonely. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> Your we're lonely comment. <laughs> oh, I just thought it was hilarious. Okay, I guess so. But it's true, and you know it. Yeah, I guess. Okay. John, the, thing is, else, but... the thing is, every time someone else starts talking, I actually like don't know. Like, I'm so used to it just being me and you talking that it's basically like you know I can just like follow the conversation easily because like you reply, then I reply, and yada yada yada. Whenever Russ starts talking, and suddenly I like look and there's like ten messages I missed. I'm like, oh, this isn't normal. <laughs> like, I'm not used to that. Right. I would. I wish I was, but it's one of those things that it's like, we do need more people talking. Yeah. Practice makes perfect, but... Alright, unless you got anything else, John, we, no. will, we, we will see you next time. <laughs>